Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to DNF. I am Spencer Hall. That is Jessica Smetana. This is where we discuss Formula One and what happened in the race. Usually, Jessica, what do we like to do? We like to say, hey, this person did great. Hey, um, this was generally sort of the impact on how things were going to go as to the F1 world at large based on the results of the race. You know, single out drivers, have a little fun. I would like to start by yelling. Ah! Ah! <sighs> ah! That, that screen that we're doing, if you didn't watch the race, and good Lord, you need to go back and at least watch that part, is Charles Leclerc, who, while in the lead, a good lead, with what was arguably the fastest car on the track, piled it into the barrier, and then did some heavy breathing, talked about the throttle, and after a pause, let out a scream that our producer, Douglas Reyes-Cerone, said, turned him into the Joker. That was the moment that he turned into the Joker. Leclerc in first place, heading towards... What could have been a comfortable win, I think, at this track. Well, well, we can debate that because yeah. Ferrari decided to appear. It appeared they were going for a one pit strategy in the race. So what is so devastating about this is that for the first 10 laps or so, Leclerc was able to stave off Max Verstappen's attempts to overtake him. And finally, Verstappen and Red Bull just decided, all right, we're going to pit. We're going to do this differently. And so Leclerc, like you said, was comfortably in the lead. We don't know exactly what how the how their strategy would have played out. Probably not well. Some okay. other horrible catastrophic event probably would have occurred had it uh, because it is Ferrari. But uh, we don't we didn't get to see that other horrible thing happen. We just got to see this horrible thing happen, which was as you said, Leclerc careening off the track into the barriers. Yeah. Third time he's retired from the lead. Uh by the way, this is ongoing because everyone's still talking about this on TV. Mattia Bonotto, the team boss who uh contrary to what everyone would believe not italian he's swiss he's swiss he just happens to be the most italian man ever born even though he is from switzerland said but you know once again we proved that we have a fast car <laughs> oh well he's got a point <laughs> can i just we know you have a fast car we know you're fast ferrari this is not about affirmations you don't need motivational posters okay I've seen the espresso machine, and we're going to talk about the espresso guy, Jessica, because we have we a theory will. about him. But we've seen what you have. You are the most accomplished race team in F1 history. Like, you have a good argument for that. You have all of the money you need. You have an Italian-looking dude with massive hair and designer's uh, glasses running your team. That's all I need for a championship at Ferrari. And yet... And yet, that wasn't even, like, we're talking about a wreck with Charles Leclerc, which we could have seen coming. In fact, Jessica and I in the text were like, yeah, you know, give Ferrari a minute. We'll give see him, what give happens. Give a minute. Yeah. Spencer, I actually texted you early on because Verstappen looked so fast 
mm-hmm. on Leclerc's heels. And I said, this looks like it's going to be a Red Bull one and two. Like Ferrari's going to do something to screw this up. Mm-hmm. Verstappen, either by sheer force of will or by just being the recipient again of his opponent having terrible strategists and terribly unreliable cars. Uh, Red Bull's going to win this thing. And I was wrong, but not completely because Ferrari did blow this this thing in multiple ways. Like not just the the Leclerc crash, which I think we maybe need to decide if we're blaming, like Leclerc blames himself for that, right? But immediately after the crash, he said that he was having throttle issues, which he was having in the previous Mm -hmm. race in Austria where he had to like lift up the throttle and then push it back down. Manually, like with his toe, like pull it off the floor. Yeah. Right. So is he just trying to be the bigger person? Is he trying to PR spin it? Does he, did he actually just make a mistake? Because, you know, he, he can make mistakes. He's human. Drivers make mistakes all the time in in high pressure situations like that. That's why Max Verstappen is so good because he doesn't make those mistakes and he has a fast car. So are we blaming Ferrari for Leclerc's issue or is it just, even if it is Leclerc's fault, do we still blame Ferrari because it's a Ferrari? I think, we're at a unique point in the blame game where even if we blamed Leclerc, you could, and you said this earlier and it really haunted me, we could just say, well, they would have screwed something else up down the line <laughs> in addition to all of the other mistakes that the race team made. Because they did. Within the span of about, what, two minutes, Leclerc goes off the road. We're not sure why. Nico Rosberg on the post-race show had an interesting comment where he said, we don't know if that was a a freak gust of wind, which can happen. Like if a gust of wind, and not an insanely strong one, comes up behind a car, it can take away 20% of your downforce. It happened happened in Spain to uh, Carlos Sainz and Max Verstappen at one point. That's right. That's right. And and that could upset your car. And if we're talking 20% of your downforce, you go, well, that's not much on my car. No, but on an F1 car, it's catastrophic, especially if you're going 170 miles an hour. But we don't really know. But even if we didn't know, keep going. What happened immediately after that to Ferrari? All right. With a podium spot on the line and Carlos Sainz running a good race. Okay. Heading for what could have been, you know, a third, maybe even a second if things break right. What happened to him? He's in the pits. First of all, the pit strategy is up for debate here. I'm happy to debate that. Okay, you know, maybe like what were like we're now in the question of what were they trying to accomplish? And with Ferrari, that answer is so screwed up. There is no way of knowing. They say, well, we were going for a two stop. Sure. Sure. That's what you say now. That may have been true. But either way, when you came out of the pits, you made an unsafe exit, thus causing a penalty for Sainz to move him back. Carlos Sainz ran two races today easily coming from the back on multiple occasions. And. I it, like in that like that was a lap like a lap or two of action and they made two egregious mistakes as a team and as it wasn't it wasn't their last mistake of the race so like you no. said Carlos Sainz has an unsafe start out of the pit lane he cuts off the Williams car uh he gets a five second penalty which means that he can either if he pits again wait five seconds during his pit stop and come back on the track or finish the race without pitting. And then they tack on five seconds to his race time. So wherever he falls in the standings, that's where he finishes. So if, if, mm-hmm. if he finishes third, but he's five seconds, um, you know, back behind the car behind him is less than five seconds behind then that car would finish ahead of him. So you could do it either way, as far as I understand. So uh, Ferrari decided not to do that and to completely, I, I don't even know. They they called him into the pit lane mid 
battle with Sergio Perez and yep. t- cost him probably at least one one place in mm-hmm. a race in which they already lost all of their points from Leclerc DNFing. Uh, so points are are vital for Ferrari at this point, and they just decided pit and no. then he said no Stop. i'm literally racing right now can you call back later i am in the middle mm-hmm. of something it, it it boggles my mind were they not watching the screen were they just Mm-mm. looking at the little computer monitors with the with the track times and the and the tire temperatures and saying yeah. come in come in come in it's a good time and he was like it's never a good time with you guys this is like the 14th time this has happened this season why am i even still listening to you yeah at this point they should no sell them snow no, I'm not. You're not in control of this car. I'm going to keep it out. And no one would blame them. No one would blame them. I like it is very difficult in a sport that is 99.999% dependent on the guys behind the wall. And it is. Like when you want to talk about what a driver means to a team. And this goes in racing across the board, I believe. You know, this is true in NASCAR, it's true in IndyCar. Everything that happens before that dude gets on the track, all right, is most of the race. And then you put a driver in there, and the driver is the crucial margin that makes the difference. That's it, okay? They're not the bulk of the output. They're not the bulk of the value of performance. But that guy or gal makes a difference, right? Just a slight bit of difference that's going to make your team a championship team or an also-ran. In this case, in Ferrari's case, they have a dude who could be world champion. Leclerc could be world champion easily. Like, I have no doubt he's right there. Leclerc himself said this in his post-race remarks when he said, if I see 32 points as the final margin, I'll know where they came from because he's blaming himself and says he made those mistakes. Leclerc's made mistakes. That's that's undoubtable. That's, like, beyond doubt. But this team is going to cost him a championship. I feel real certain of saying that because they all but guaranteed Max Verstappen won today. If Verstappen continues to be this consistent, and there is no reason to believe with the shark-like coldness that he is executing with at this point, I do not see any reason to think that he is not already the champion and that we are going to get, with some decent runs, a another Red Bull driver championship. But Ferrari is damaging their driver's performance. If he had gone into the pits, it's my long way of saying this, if Leclerc come into the pits and just started slapping people, wouldn't blame him. If Signs had done the same, I would not blame them. Not one bit. What do I have to do to get you guys to get your heads out of your asses? That was, you know, Rosberg, Ro- Rosberg, who I think does a great job on F1's broadcast, Rosberg was like, they are all looking at their stopwatches. What I think, if you go like organizationally, what I go like, what's wrong with this team? They have their heads up their asses in the most academic way possible. I think they are engineers above all else. So they're looking at the times, and they're not actually thinking about how to run a race. The jokes are true. This is not a joke. We are not telling a joke when we say, Ferrari, do you know that you are running a race? A lot of the times they are so focused on performance, and they are so focused on the numbers that they forget the actual strategy. That started as a joke. I do not think it's inaccurate, though. This is like when you're watching an NFL game and your friends are like, oh, I could call I could call a play. I could be an offensive coordinator. I've played mm-hmm. Madden. We, we talk about this on the Dan Levitard show all the time. Everyone thinks they could be an offensive coordinator at some point in their life because they've watched football. And they're like, oh, I would just call a run play. I would just call a pass play here. It's so easy. QB sneak. But this is actually a situation in which I think you could just pick a guy off the street who watches F1, put them in Ferrari, say, 
tell us what our tire strategy is today. And they'd probably do at least at worst about the same as what Ferrari already has. I don't know. They'd at least make different mistakes because it feels like Ferrari keeps making the same mistakes. If you look at different points in the race, if you're Red Bull or you're Mercedes, you know when they're going to melt down. You know. If it comes down to, well, are they going to pit or aren't they going to pit? They're going to get it wrong at a crucial point. That is a safe wager at this point. If you said, well, you know, we're cruising second, but ah, Leclerc Saints will probably go off the road and we'll gain a spot. That is also a safe bet based on the lack of reliability for the Ferrari race frame this season. It's bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. It's a sure bet that you don't have to try. You could just hold tight and they'll give you a spot. I also have to like take some credit away from Red Bull for not just waiting to pit Verstappen until yeah. the, the safety car or until Leclerc was out, basically. Like you guys knew that something was going to happen, right? We all <laughs> saw it coming. But I think what's disappointing is that Ferrari has made so many strides in terms of their straight lane speed yeah. and, catching, and catching up to the Red Bull, where it seems like they are legitimately like their car is very, very good. It is probably you could make an argument for it being the best car but at least it is neck and neck with the red bull right now just in terms of the speed which red bull had like had cornered at the beginning of the season red bull was so much faster than the ferrari but their reliability issues whether it's just the decision making or the car itself has been abysmal so i'm gonna go over now all the dnfs from the season for ferrari mm -hmm. and, and what caused them because it's staggering when you lay it all out so First off, Australia, Carlos's car, it was blamed on a steering wheel problem. Mm -hmm. Then Carlos again at Emilia Romagna, and it was a that was a racing incident with Daniel Ricciardo, probably mm -hmm. a, a case of bad luck. And then yeah. Spain, Leclerc with the power unit, Azerbaijan, both Ferraris out, power unit for Charles, and a hydraulic problem for Carlos Sainz. Austria, the power unit issue for Carlos Sainz, which caused the grid penalty for this race, which is why he had to start all the way in mm -hmm. the back. So you can't mm -hmm. look at that as like, a neutral point. The fact that he's starting all the way in the back and had to work his way from 19th to fifth and probably could have gotten fourth is because of the Ferrari's issues. Uh, it's through not through any fault of his own. He performed very well in qualifying and helping his teammate yesterday. And then again today, Leclerc crashes. They're, they're almost in Austria was a double DNF again because yeah. the last five laps, Charles Leclerc was pulling his throttle up with his big toe. Um, so then again today in France, Charles Leclerc is out. We we still don't exactly know if he takes full responsibility or if it was a combination issue or maybe neither, maybe a gust of wind. Who knows? But uh, not looking so good for Ferrari. And that is why you cannot give them the benefit of the doubt when Leclerc is careening off track and losing uh, a race that it looked like he had every every opportunity to win early on. Do you know you're running a race? We've been saying this for like a month straight. Does Ferrari know they're actually running a race? Jessica, I don't think they do. I really don't. It just doesn't feel like... They've done so much to gain in the engineering department. And they've done so much that, in fact, Red Bull's had to react a little bit to their improvements. It's not like there's people in the garage not doing their damnedest to make what is already a fast car the fastest car on the track. And then it gets to the point where you got to plate it up and serve it, and it's awful. It's absolutely awful. It's like somebody 
It's like somebody taking the most beautiful piece of Kobe beef and cooking it perfectly. And then they put it on the tray and they put it on the plate and it gets in the window. And then somebody just takes some of that pink sauce from the internet this week and oh, just puts it all sauce. over the top, right? Just somebody puts Miracle Whip all over this gorgeous piece of beef and I, or serves it upside down on the table, right? Like, I don't, I don't get it. I do not know. There's an organizational misfire happening there that's damaging both the drivers and their overall team's potential. What would the Italians say if they saw the TikTok pink sauce that has come out of America in the last week? It would be a lot like that clip of the English carbonara, the British carbonara. They're like, oh, no. <laughs> Maybe Ferrari is putting pink sauce in the engines. Maybe that is what that's the critical error was. <laughs> we've, been, uh, we're, we've decided not to run on the pink sauce. <laughs> We're just, it's not working for us. We're going to go back to our standard fuel. I, I don't know. Like it goes past humor for me. It's just, oh, it's, it's fr- so funny. It's for, it is funny, but like, God, I feel so bad as bad as you can feel for a multimillionaire, uh, Monegasque driver whose life is pretty great. Most of the time you could tell it means something to him because you don't make that no like, when have you ever made that noise in your life? Never. Literally never, ever. I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever felt that much anguish about anything. Have you ever had a situation in which you just like absolutely lost it and and just screamed like that? Um yeah, but I have kids, so I don't oh, count. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that might about. be putting that might yeah. be trying to get a four year old to put their shoes on in the morning. It really yeah, might. Uh, it's yeah. a really, really good But point. in the realm of the rational like in daily life, never. I've never made that noise. Ever. Ever. Uh, our producer, Doug, points out uh, that this stat is still holding up. Verstappen's now won more races from Leclerc Poles than Leclerc has yeah. won from Leclerc Poles. That was from the Azerbaijan GP, but it is still true. So the thing that also is disappointing is that Ferrari had a pretty good qualifying strategy yesterday. Like mm-hmm. they, so Carlos Sainz didn't really have to do anything in qualifying because he had the, the penalty, but they still t- brought him out there and tried getting him to give a little bit of a toe to Leclerc. And it, they didn't really end up needing it. Leclerc was faster and uh, his qualifying lap was fast enough without Carlos Sainz, it seems like, but they were doing things that seemed like they were being uh, thoughtful and proactive in their strategy. I, they were doing things that were like, they were on the verge. And I guess this is when we should have known things were going to go wrong. They've improved and they look like good things are going to happen. <laughs> should have been against it. Should have just riversided it right over here. Just, Hey, things are looking up for Ferrari bail ditch immediately. I, and to do this too, like when, when the door was open, when the door was open for them to really not only be competitive with Red Bull, but put up some serious points on them, it's just it's agony, man. So uh, next weekend is the Hungarian Grand Prix, and then there's like a three-week break. It's like the summer break. I guess mm-hmm. they call it holiday in the UK, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and the teams usually come back. Like The drivers all go on like little mini vacations and, and get mm-hmm. to spend their millions of dollars and on yachts and things like that. It's very, very precious if you follow them on social media. Um, But I predict that Charles Leclerc will probably come back from his vacation with some sort of chest tattoo. um, Mm -hmm. And it'll be very, very scary, Spencer. 
Uh, I'm wondering if he's going to have like the, the Brock Osweiler, like no regrets tattoo on his chest or something mm -hmm. like that. But like he has become the Joker now. His persona will change. You will see a darkness in him moving forward that we never saw before. Uh, and I, I don't know what kind of person we will see after the break ends, but it will be a much, a much darker Joker like type yeah i really hope this doesn't happen i hope he doesn't come back listening to a lot of mumble rap and reading jordan peterson like i hope he doesn't get a face tat you know i i hope he's not like yeah i've been eating a lot of organ meats right like i do not want the full angry joe roganing of of charlotte claire to happen but it might it really might like i i heard that man Who can something, blame him? something snapped in that man right like if he comes back and he's got like a terrifying goth girlfriend, right? And he's like dressed in all black, like and bad things are happening. Yeah, I don't. Whatever you want out of Charles Leclerc, you're probably gonna get because that man's going through some stuff, right? Whereas I think Carlos Sainz is just like, man, I'm really happy. I'm I'm rich. I'm rich and paid. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I don't know. I, I think Carlos is probably feeling pretty frustrated because this is now like the third race, at least the third race in the last two months where he has been on top of his shit and they have let him down spectacularly. Because he is peaking right now, right? He, like personally, he is yes. peaking. I mean, him him winning the battle with Perez and then also like Perez's tires after that were shot. So he essentially helped George Russell get on podium. I think you could say, mm -hmm. but he was in the middle of this hard fought battle. And we know the radio messages are slightly delayed, but Ferrari was calling him into pit while he was like, I'm doing a thing. Can you please just back off? I, I also, like I like Lance Stroll's message today where he was like, stop talking to me, leave me alone. <laughs> very, Carlos very, had the on the, the Kimi Raikkonen, uh, like conversationalist of the day award goes to Lance Stroll. <laughs> leave me alone. And Carlos was like, I don't understand what we're doing. And he was, he was racing faster than Perez and Russell. Mm -hmm. And they called him in. After he came back out, he was in ninth, I think. Uh, he ended up working his way back up to fifth because he was easily the fastest car out there of, of the rest of the cars. And he, I don't know what they were doing either, Carlos. I wish I could, I wish I could help you, sir. But he can't, I can't imagine that he is anything but excruciatingly frustrated with his team after today. I mean, yes, I just think maybe he's better at hiding it. Whereas Charles Leclerc, Charles Leclerc has no shell. I feel like it's all of his emotions are pretty much right here all the time for the viewer to see whereas you know carlos is a little more of a smooth operator i know you're miserable but you still look so damn handsome and smooth while doing it man congratulations i did want to go ahead also we, we can't just spend the entire time talking about ferrari because honestly i'll just leave mad it'll just ruin my day do we have anything like i want to talk about something positive oh can we talk about lewis hamilton i would love to talk about lewis hamilton spencer Lewis mm -hmm. Hamilton had his best finish of the entire season today. He finished in second place. This was his 300th Grand Prix start. And mm -hmm. Mercedes somehow, I guess not really somehow, considering that the two cars faster than Mercedes, the Red Bull and the Ferraris, one of them, it's 50-50 it's if they're going to finish a race now, I think. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Mercedes at 2-3 on the podium behind Max Verstappen. I think it's a pretty good day for the lads at Mercedes. You know, I'm glad you said the word lads, Jessica, because yeah, it is extremely impressive that Lewis Hamilton had his highest finish of the year that I think afterwards, if you listen to them on the radio, genuine relief 
between everybody, all parties, between Toto, between Lewis, uh, and between George, I think they were thrilled with the way they ran. They did a lot of things earlier this week, messing with various spoilers, still tweaking the car, still figuring things out. I, it's wild, and I think they feel this kind of relief that they are still very much a work in progress after missing completely on what the car was going to look like and feel like coming out of this offseason uh, and into the actual F1 schedule that they're still a work in progress, but they were improving. Like if you wanted to go, hey, who is the most improved team on the track week to week? Insane to say this, but Mercedes in terms of consistency. That's the, the idea that we are now moving into August and they are going to be one of the most consistent teams on the track after a disastrous start. Um, there's a lot of people putting a lot of sweat equity in. But you know what? You know, Lewis, I've come to expect these things, right? I've come to expect greatness from Lewis. Right. The fact he's that a, he's struggling he's a like this. He's seven-time champion, Spencer. He is. He is. But I wanted to talk about lads. And maybe the best lad of all. That's correct. Because Mr. Consistency again defending the jeweled isle defending the scepter standing in front of the queen as the forces of evil wish evil upon her and say no no not across this sacred channel our blessed moat shall the barbarian cross no george russell Yes, Lewis, you may have struggled. Yes, Lewis, you may be overcoming adversity, but who's been there consistently placing fourth and fifth with a porcelain complexion and a congenial manner and all sorts of fantastic interactions with fans where he refused to get souvenir balls off of the lawn. That is correct every single week. The slim gentleman himself, again, lad of the week, George Russell. Wow. What a good lad. What a what, good lad. What a good lad. So I think we need to talk about the George Russell meme that was going viral this week, Spencer. Mm -hmm. Have, did you see that? Uh, no, which one? It was a meme format that was a George Russell is the type of guy, blank, blank, blank. Mm -hmm. And most of them were like, uh, I'll read I'll read some of the top ones. I haven't Please. screened these first. So like, hopefully nothing as horrible is about to happen. But, um, <laughs> we're taking the Ferrari pit strategy towards our <laughs> tweet selection. Yes, 100%. George Russell is the type of guy to still not admit he's in the wrong, even when his team is telling him he's in the wrong. Mm -hmm. George is George Russell is the type of guy to slap his knees and go right then when he stands up. George Russell is the type of guy to recite lines from the FIA guidelines on overtaking whilst racing wheel to wheel. George Russell is the type of guy to read the entire terms and conditions before clicking I agree. Every line. Every line. Yeah. These are all essentially like George Russell is the best lad blank memes. Uh, Ryan Air even got in on it. They said George Russell is the type of guy who claps when the plane lands. Which you should do every time if you're flying Ryan Air. Let's, let's be fair. <laughs> you might want to pray. Thank the God. Thank the God of your choice. That clapping you made it to is the not clapping is not a, a mm -mm. reaction enough for, for what you have just accomplished. If your plane has landed safely on Ryanair, um, yeah. So, anyways, uh, the George Russell memes were on fire. I think the the wider F one world is catching on to the fact that George Russell is the best lad, uh, the one and only lad, and the best lad. So. Shout out to George Russell. I mean, he put on quite a show in the last 10 laps. Sergio Perez was trying to snitch him out of third place. He was mm -hmm. like, he went off, hey, hey, he went off track again. Hey, did you guys see turn six? He was off again. Mm -hmm. And they're like, 
the Red Bull pit wall was like, all right, like we'll let them know. Well, thank you. Yeah, this is it's quite nice. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that pairing because it pairs the guy who I think is the best technical driver, which is Sergio Perez versus George Russell, who's also super clean. So naturally it had to come down to nitpicking and manners because neither of them was going to make an egregious mistake. They were just going to be so good that one beating the other was simply a matter of like a nanosecond here and a nanosecond there. I do also like Sergio Perez just completely falling asleep. <laughs> the oh, virtual yeah. safety the, car. The restart. What was that? <laughs> I know. I have a theory about the way Sergio Perez's brain works. Okay. If it's on and the condition is on, then he is the most agile, quickest, fastest man on the planet. Right. If it's like green flag, he's on. But the minute he leaves the track, I think he just goes to sleep. I think he's just like an all or nothing dude. Right. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh yeah, I saw green and I went and he's the best driver in the world. But if he's off, he's the chillest dude in the world. And I think that's probably what happened. He saw the virtual safety car and was like, oh, I can chill. I'm good. That's fine. And then George Russell was like, aha, snuck past him. So the finish from Mercedes was impressive because this whole season they've struggled a lot on street circuits and circuits mm -hmm. where there's a lot of like rough like the track is rougher or there's debris or whatever debris as right. the Brits call it. Um, and the, the last few races that have been on these actual like racing circuits, the Mercedes has been a lot faster, but then in qualifying this weekend, Mercedes thought they had put together a package that like their car was finally going to show quicker speeds on this circuit. They thought this circuit would be very suitable to what they had. Um, and they were very disappointed because I think Lewis ended up being 0.9 seconds off of Leclerc in qualifying, which was a pretty mm -hmm. big gap. They were expecting something more like 0.3 uh, seconds for like Lewis behind Leclerc or whoever the leader would be, Max. Um, and then lo and behold, they finished 2-3. This is the first time George Russell and, and Lewis Hamilton have ever been on podium together as Mercedes teammates. So, and to we even heard Toto Wolf on the radio talking to George Russell, which I really enjoyed because we don't get oh, a yeah. lot of good Toto messages. But he was like, George, keep your head down. You're the best lad. You have the speed to beat Perez. And he was right. And George Russell, the best lad, once again, finishes on the podium. So very happy for Mercedes. Yeah, thrill, thrilled for them. Thrilled to get a Toto spot on the radio. He's not always on the radio, but when he is, it's always a banger. He's the Andre 3000 of guest <laughs> spots on F1 radio. I also want to congratulate uh, the Silver Fox himself, the meanest old bastard on the track. That's right, Fernando Alonso. <laughs> it, it, just a dude who this season is in a great spot where he's not supposed to win, but he can make things as difficult as possible for everyone on the track while topping out at a performance level that we might not have expected out of Alpine. It's great. It's absolutely fantastic to watch him just be a thorn in everyone's side, right? Yeah. At like P7, P8, sometimes P6, sometimes P5 cruising up there. I, I, I adore him being as nasty an individual as possible without actually putting people into the wall. Yeah, and the, both Alpines finished in the points. And you know mm -hmm. who else both drivers of finished in the points? That is a grammatically incorrect sentence. Right, right. You, well, gun it. It was McLaren. That's right. Daniel Ricardo. I'm not sure if you've been following all the buzz around Daniel Ricardo in the last few weeks, Spencer. And you probably mm -hmm. may have covered some of this last weekend with uh, the one and only Chris 
Whittingham, who's I guess the second best lad, because he will he will never be the best lad. I will say this as the lad appreciator, very good lad. Not George Russell, but a very good lad. He needs the the better call Saul world's second best lad mug, mm-hmm. like the yes. second best lawyer. We need to make this um, for him. We will make it for him. I will I will get on that. <clears throat> I'll call someone who will get on that. Mm-hmm. Uh so anyways, baby Lando, Lando Norris finished in seventh, Daniel Ricardo finished in ninth. There has been quite a stir at McLaren because McLaren had an American IndyCar driver, Colton Herta, race their 2021 McLaren at Portmao, which is in Portugal. Basically, mm-hmm. test it out, see how he does in it. Uh, and so that was in the news. They also had some sort of other testing with another driver. Um, and so Daniel Ricardo posted to his Instagram story that he's committed to McLaren. There was a big sit-down interview with Ted Kravitz before the race today where they asked Ricardo, you know, what's kind of going on like you haven't been very good lately haha <laughs> like mm-hmm. how do we ask you politely why you suck and he was like you know it, he he compared driving this car to dancing with a dance partner who's kind of not in sync with you and and basically he keeps blaming it on like his chemistry with the McLaren car um but it is you know it's there's really no explanation for it because it this is a different car this year than the one he drove last year which he also struggled with that McLaren yeah uh, and his teammate, who he's been compared to, like every driver is compared to their their teammate, has been doing so much better. Uh, your friend Nico Rosberg, who you are an admirer of, said that it's really it's unfair to compare Ricardo to Norris because Norris might be the best driver of this young generation of, of Formula One drivers. So mm-hmm. it's an unfair standard. But Daniel Ricardo is someone who has won lots of Formula One races and and been that Lando Norris type figure in the past where, mm-hmm. you know, many people thought he would be what Max Verstappen is uh, before Max Verstappen came along and became a driving machine robot. Uh, and he's also everyone's, you know, most most people's favorite drivers. Like he's very accessible to American fans, especially. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, Spencer, I'm wondering what you think of all of this uh, or if you're kind of just happy to see Daniel Ricardo get some points on the board and, and have another pretty decent finish considering the season he's having i'm happy to see him get one day closer towards becoming the most successful f1 podcaster in the history of the sport that is what i am happy for i'm happy to see him get one day closer to a spot on the nascar truck series that's where i think heart belongs (laughs) not f1 anymore because he either needs to take a turn towards the fernando alonso elder statesman who enjoys tripping the kids as they come off the playground or he needs to go ahead and start that podcast empire just him and draymond man just him draymond immediately off the track straight to the mic do it danny do what why are you what are you waiting for this is your destiny well if he's going to become a draymond podcaster then he has to stay in f1 right like you can't you can't be otherwise he's just jj reddick which isn't bad like everyone loves Mm -hmm. jj reddick he has one of the most popular nba podcasts out there but you know you got to pick a lane you're either the guy who's like running into the paddock to pod right after or you're the guy who's potting from his uh multi-million dollar estate in ibiza while everyone else is racing and you're not. I would suggest becoming that second person because it involves no work. <laughs> it involves no work whatsoever, right? You don't have to towel off. It's not sweaty. You don't have to wear a fire suit while you're doing it. Do the thing that requires less work, Danny. I know you I know you feel this, okay? Like do this. This is where you're headed. Right, but Spencer so like 
there are people out there who are not wired like you and me, who mm -hmm. enjoy the work, who enjoy taking the risks, who want to feel the thrill of being inside one of these cars for two hours every weekend. Mm -hmm. I'm not one of them. I'm with you. I choose the road easiest traveled, uh, as the expression goes. Um, but Daniel Ricardo seems like he like legitimately wants to still racing. And there's also another driver whose future in Formula One seems to be up in the air, and that's Sebastian Vettel. And he also seems like he kind of wants to keep racing. He's like, yeah, this season's been shitty. I'm not doing very well. Like, it's, you know, an abject failure. Where <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. finishing behind Lance Stroll in my Aston Martin, but I like being here. I like being around it. And, and I guess I can't blame them for wanting to be, you know, one of the best 20 people at doing something in the entire world and all of the perks that come with it. I mean, there's what you enjoy, and there's what you get to do. And if you can combine the two, that's cool. I don't know if Daniel Ricardo is going to have that choice. Sebastian Vettel may not have that choice. Lance Stroll probably shouldn't have that choice. But you know what? It's a good weekend for the top 1% of 1% and people avoiding the estate tax because Lance Stroll was in the points. Congratulations, Lance. You got, you got points just to prove that the money comes with a little bit of talent, right? He does actually manage to hang on the track there, right? But I, I, I don't know. Like, it is the point where you go, do I want to be the 19th best driver out of 20? Because context is everything. Do you want to be, like, particularly with Vettel. Vettel is somebody who has nothing left to prove on the track. Nothing. Ricardo, I could see having a serious, I need to prove something. I need to show that I belong and can carry a team. That was the thing he was supposed to do. He was supposed to be the kind of guy who could be the one. Right? The one spot, and I can carry a team. That's not where he's at at McLaren. It's pretty clear he's the two on the McLaren. So, do you want to go to a team where you're the one guy? And you're, you know, you might finish ninth, you might finish eighth, but do you want to go to a team that's going to do that? Is there a team that's going to give you that offer? Because McLaren might be the best you could do at that point. I don't know. Like, it, like if you're taking it seriously, I think Ricardo's future is off the track i think it, that could be a lot more lucrative and satisfying for him and if you want to experience the thrill of being a race car driver i i don't know man move to la and and drive in traffic that's that that can be as thrilling as well that's thrilling in the worst ways but yeah so his his contract is up at the end of next season um colton herda and i'm probably saying his name wrong his contract with indycar i believe is also up at the end of next season so there's some like synergistic timing there but does mclaren want to wait i know i've heard so many formula one commentators be like well these contracts don't really mean anything you can kind of tear them up and and decide that they mean whatever you want them to mean and i'm like i don't understand how that works how do no. contracts not mean things um i guess in formula one you can kind of come to these quote-unquote gentlemen's agreements if things mm -hmm. aren't going well and just decide you know what uh, Danny, we've had a fun time here. We have a really exciting young driver. We think we can do better with our number two driver. And we also want an American because guess what? Formula One now is heavily invested in America. We're going to have three races there in 2023. Having an American driver would be great for everyone. This goes against my theory that we already have an American driver and it's Daniel Ricardo. So maybe, maybe <laughs> the pitch is, maybe the pitch is to say, we, we need a second American driver. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got that. Oh, well, now I'm like, what if we put both of them on the same team? Well, I can't do that. Uh, you know, if, Too if, much if, chaos. if we did that, but with an extremely un-American, like, like just the least American race team, like Ferrari, that'd be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. Right? I say least American race team because Ferrari 
uh, believes in, you know, having nice amenities in your workspace and taking breaks and looking pretty. These are all things that Americans do not value when it comes to performance. And espresso. Um, no and drip espresso. coffee there. A lot of espresso. A lot of like, a lot of team themed recreation. We all jog the track together afterwards, right? So we're going to take some questions uh, from the comments. Thank you all for tuning in and for barking back at us as if you were Charles Leclerc on the radio, screaming back into the void that is this show. First, how much would you give to hear Toto tell George Russell, we're going with plan B, as in best lad. I'd give a pretty good amount. Let's like, I'd pay 150 bucks for that. I was going to say $200. We're actually 200 Okay, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're in the same spot. But no, I wouldn't pay more than $200 because your impression was so close that I can just close my eyes and pretend it was coming out of Toto's mouth. I would also give serious money to hear him say, you are the best boy. <laughs> you are such okay. a good boy. We can probably find out the actual answer to this, but how many plans does each team have going into a race? Like, does Ferrari ever get to, like, plan Q? Oh, no, because none of them are going to go right. Like, like, they're, <laughs> like, the race, they will have disastered themselves out of the race by plan F at latest. I, well, plan F is the one they went with, which is plan fuck everything up. <laughs> plan, plan, plan D for disaster. Yes, that's... <laughs> I don't think they get further than plan D to be honest. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the teams have more than 3 plans. And frankly in life, if you have more than 3 plans, you you haven't made a plan. You have Yeah, committed. at some point there's diminishing returns too cuz if I'm a driver and I'm like, "Oh shit, which one was which one was E again? Am I supposed to uh, I can't am I saving no. my tires on this one?" Nobody like I don't think I don't think that's a, you know, LOL drivers can't think that far, right? No, nobody can. Nobody no, no, like nobody no. nobody has more than three plans. Too many plans. Yeah. Next we have which driver smells best after a race? Which driver? <laughs> I mean, probably Nicholas Latifi because he's barely sweating. He's just kind of chilling <laughs> in the back. He's he's going for a smoke break during the pit stops. He's just like, I'm good back here, you guys. Like, I don't know if you noticed, Spencer, at one point, I think he went off track today, and it was at a, a critical moment for all of the three teams battling first, second through fifth. And I was like, ooh, Latifi, so close to screwing this up for everyone once again with a safety car. But then he kind of like skirted back on it, and I was like, okay, okay, we're good. Oh, I know it's Lewis, because Lewis has the most expensive cologne. Lewis, oh, like... Yeah. Yeah, no, Lewis probably has some sort of cologne that's made in like somewhere deep in the Alps in a cave with, you know, like. Lewis just secretes like gold bars. Yeah, like he had like the essence of Pearls. an orchid. And Pearls the essence, come out of his, his pores. Yeah, the essence of an orchid that is kept like in a secret greenhouse and hasn't seen actual sunlight for 300 years. Like that's, he probably smells like that. So I'm going to go ahead and say Lewis. Should we should we maybe be mean and say who probably smells the worst? Vettel. You know why? He doesn't care. <laughs> the beard? <laughs> no, it's like this. Do you know how much? Think about this. He has the beard and his hair, and there's a lot of shag. And you know how like hunting hounds have ears and stuff, so they can pick up all of the like scent off the you ground. Know, I actually didn't know that. But no, that's, that's why they, that's why they have such like pendulous skin and stuff, is so wow. that they can stir up all the scent molecules. It's just an advantage. Um, that's basically like. Vettel is an air filter, like a human air filter. Like he's just got all of this stuff. And I will tell you from experience that if you walk through something smelling really good, you're going to smell good with the beard. And if you mm -hmm. walk through something smelling really bad, you need to go shower. So I'm just going to go ahead and say Vettel. Do we think the beard is affecting his downforce? Yeah. 
<laughs> I think he actually shaved his beard before this race. Did he? There was, okay, there good. There was a segment uh, with him and one of the Sky presenters. I can't remember which one before the race, and he mm -hmm. was clean, clean shaven. Well, as you can see, if you do have the beard and you want maximum downforce, it needs to be like a spoiler. Mm. You need to make sure that it's pointed somewhat so that it can go there. He had the like rough shag, so that's yeah, not no, help. he should shave a grill into his beard. Absolutely, no, no, no the aerodynamic beard. Get the people asking Martin on this. Just don't ask Ferrari for for advice. No, no, they'll no, they'll ask you to come over and take a shave in the middle of the race. Right, <laughs> it's a good time. Get over here. It's fine. Will Haas bounce next? Bounce back next week after? Yes, because the Haas gang don't stop. That's it. I mean, like a little bit of bad luck for Haas. Uh, the Rennes, the Rennes Haas, uh came to a brief hiccup today. But you know what? Sometimes when you're climbing a mountain, you got to go down for a bit. Mm -hmm. Then you know the hill, the, the climb starts again. All right, that's where Gunther is. He's got his sticks out. He's got his fancy European hiking boots. He's headed to the top. I agree with that. I have nothing further to add on Haas. Uh, we also have. Is Ferrari pitting Carlos for his penalty, the equivalent of Lane Kiffin sending in his kicker out for a 76-yard field goal? Uh, no, because that was intentional. Like, Lane thought, <laughs> Lane knew that was funny. Ferrari's just pushing buttons. Just pushing buttons randomly, Eric. That's I'm, what's happening I, here. I'm trying to think of a, of a good football equivalent to this. Oh, timeouts. This is just like like somebody who yeah. doesn't know how to manage clock, timeouts. Clock management, right? That's what I was thinking too. This yeah. is like icing your own kicker. This is my. This is like. Do you know who's running pit strategy for Ferrari? Mike McCarthy. <laughs> Mike McCarthy or Les Miles. That's or, who's running pit strategy. Andy Reid from six years ago. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like pre-success, pre-Super pre Bowl, pre-Mahomes, Andy Reid, right? Like yeah. geniuses who can't get out of their own way or count to three. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think them calling him into pit while he was overtaking Perez is icing your own kicker after they already made the field goal from 55 yards to win the game. And then they go back out and have to do it again and they miss the second time. I, Jessica, I think this next question is really interesting. Like, like okay. it's it's sort of, there's some ha-ha in here, but it's a very interesting question. If they made F1 drivers spend a weekend doing small-town dirt track racing in the American South, would that make for a good Netflix episode? Yes, obviously. Yeah. I do think it would. But it also, it, it answers a question that to me is fascinating, which is, you, when you see a driver, what am I looking at? What kind of person am I looking at? Remember when, uh, prior to the Miami GP Red Bull took Yuki Sonoda and took Max Verstappen out in swamp buggies. And yes. Yuki thrashed everybody. Turns out Yuki's a great swamp buggy driver, which a joy, by the way, to say Yuki Sonoda is a great swamp buggy driver. That's a sentence I didn't think I'd get to say in life. But it also begs the question, who's just the best driver if you put them in anything? Because this is a Mercedes argument we've that we've had, which is, you know, is it that the car is really bad or that you're not great at driving a bad car mm -hmm. and you're just mm -hmm. too used to the good stuff to get used to like a shit box in right. the words of Toto Wolf. Right. Um, I would love to see what people would do with sprint cars on dirt tracks. That would be fascinating to me because I think you'd see some drivers and it would change your opinion. You'd go, Oh no, that guy like Sergio Perez. I think Sergio Perez is one of those guys um, and Yuki, I think if you just put them in anything, they're going to be competitive. Mm -hmm. I, th I think that's a really good question. I also think Spencer, as our like Southeast correspondent, um, what, what city, what state would we want to drop all these guys in and just plop them down in and, and what would make for the best episode? North Carolina, North, North Carolina. If we were talking like dirt tracks, cradle of NASCAR. That's what I want to see, right? E either that or like Kentucky. 
but you want one of those too. Well, that brings us actually to another question, which is which team principal has the best barbecue? Are we asking which team principal would, if we ate them, taste the best as barbecue or which one like could make the best barbecue? I'm ha I'm happy to answer both, but okay. in terms of making, I'm going to go with somebody who I know is now working on learning how to cook slow and low, has the resources, and is a technician who will hire enough people to eventually slow cook and create a masterpiece. I'm going to go Toto, because right now that's kind of what Mercedes is doing. Mercedes, not on the uh, stir fry plan. This is definitely a brisket. We are going low and slow <laughs> with it. And it's probably going to be at its best at the end of the process this season. Now, if the question is like, which one throws the best barbecue? Is Toto still your answer? Because I, I think we can rule out Christian Horner. Like his barbecue would be just uh -uh. so sterilized. It's just so posh. We would be using like bamboo silverware. To That's correct ribs it would not be i don't think it would be very fun no one's no one's ever decided hey i want to have a great party let's go to the cotswolds that's not <laughs> that's just not happening so right. I, I would go ahead and agree with that he's been rich too long i don't think and also i don't think he has sort of any like party animal in him i've seen toto wolf stage dive i know he can throw a good party but i'm gonna say if you want the most laid back classic summer barbecue it's going to be hard to argue against Gunther Steiner, mm. a man who cusses that much at work. It's the inverse. When he gets home, <laughs> he's a good. great, he's a great time. Tranquilo, buddy. Like just, it's cool, right? Good family environment. Likes to be outside, obviously. I'm, I'm going to go that. I was just going to say Mike Crack. Mike. <laughs> well, that means we get to say, hey, you ever been to a Mike Crack party? <laughs> Mike Crack parties are insane. Oh, Spencer, it was a fun race recap sans Ferrari's problems. Uh, thoughts and prayers to Charles Leclerc this week. Excited to see what his temperament will be like next week if he comes back to us with a full arm sleeve or not and mm -hmm. maybe some some uh, nostril piercings. But thoughts and prayers to Charles. Do you have any wrap-up thoughts for us on the French Grand Prix? Uh, one, we got an interesting French Grand Prix and we should be happy for that because yes. that's not always the case with these races. Two, just want to take that little Monegasque man and just, 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 just hug him. Just carry him around for a day or two and be like, it's, it's going to be okay, buddy. Fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault, man. It's not. Well, Christian Horner is just texting him. It is your fault. It's it actually your fault. Your yeah. fault. Uh, sayonara. Au revoir.